The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. No amount of danger, no amount of discomfort, no amount of difficulty, no amount of discouragement, no amount of depression, no uh, amount of circumstances that uh, come or go should keep us from our time of fellowship with the Lord as Christians. Uh, let's uh, be reminded this morning that every day the Lord, he, he stands at the door and knocks. He wants to come in with us. He wants to fellowship with us. He wants to spend time with us. And, and boy, I don't know about you, but I feel a failure in many ways as I've ignored his call on, on, on some occasions. How about you? Where I haven't spent the time with the Lord that I should have, where uh, I spent time in other places thinking I needed to spend time uh, in those places more than I needed to spend time with God. What a sad thing it is for us that when uh, we have lament, when we have uh, burdens, when we have uh, things that we need to cry out uh, for, that sometimes we take our cries elsewhere. Sometimes we take our laments uh, and our hurts and our pains and and maybe we pick up the phone or we go to the internet or we uh, uh, go to a friend or we go elsewhere other than to God. Uh, May we as the psalmist, uh, as the songwriter uh, said, uh, where could I go but to the Lord? Uh, uh, May we understand that our help cometh from God who, who made heaven and earth. Uh, uh, why in the world would we cry out to someone other than God for help when only He is the true one that can help us? Uh, I know this morning that we bear one another's burdens and that uh, we want to be a blessing to each other and we want to undergird and strengthen and comfort and, 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 and help one another. But the truth is this morning, uh, I know, uh, even though uh, you may look at me and say, well, you're a pastor, you can help. The truth is uh, there's no person in this room that can help you with your hurts like Jesus Christ. Uh, I can't help you the way God can help you. Uh, boy, we're coming together, we're to encourage each other, we're to consider one another, we're to provoke one another to love and to good works, but the truth is this morning, nobody can help you like Jesus can help you. Nobody can know, we have not a high priest that is not touched with the feelings of our infirmities. You know your laments, your hurts, uh, those things that you cry out for. Listen, uh, what I want you uh, to consider this morning as we look at the Psalms is is that the prayer's direction, uh, the direction of our cry should be to Jesus. Uh, We should cry out to Him because He's the one that can help us. And so many times, again, we take our hurts and we take our hang-ups and we take all these things that are bothering us, listen, and we'll go and we'll talk to our friends and other people and we'll complain and we'll cry and uh, uh, we'll, we'll say all these things that we do, but it doesn't do anything to help us, does it? It doesn't do anything to to alleviate the pain and the burden. I understand that sometimes we just need someone to listen to us, but can I remind you that we all have someone to listen to us every hour of every day, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He ever liveth to make intercession for us, and he hears your cries. I don't know if you've ever woke up in the middle of the night in pain or in hurt or uh, burdened over something, perhaps a wayward child or uh, perhaps uh, uh, your burden in your health or maybe financially in, in distress and struggle this morning. I don't know what your hurts are. I don't know what is bothering you today. But as I look at a group of people, I know uh, all of us have burdens, don't we? We're all going through struggles and trials and and difficulties. Sometimes we do real good uh, coming to God's house and putting on our best and pretending like everything's okay. But the truth is, is we're probably not okay. There's something deep within us. There's a burden that we're bearing. There's a struggle that we're facing. There's a difficulty that is trying us. Uh, The Bible even tells us, Christians, beloved, think it not strange uh, concerning the fiery trial that is to try you. We understand that life is trials and tribulations as much as the prosperity gospel preachers are telling us that the Christian life is easy and, and the road is smooth and the road is easy. Hey, listen, the broad way, the wide way, the easy way is the road that leads to destruction, uh, but the road that we're on as a Christian is the narrow way that leads to life. And hey, listen, sometimes it's cramped and it's hard and it's rocky and there's not a whole lot of blazing trail ahead of us and we've got to do some work and we've got to, we've got to walk down that path. And although uh, people are calling and say, hey, it's easy over here, it's easy over here, the truth is that Jesus Christ says, hey, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. But remember, in the Christian life, we're going to have tribulation. 
Yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Beloved, think it not strange. Hey, we're going to go through trials, but your cries uh, can be directed at God. I mean, uh, when's the last time you just cried to God? Sometimes we cry to others. Uh, We cry because of our circumstances. So much of our crying is selfish. It's self-centered. It's self-focused. But really, when we cry, we should cry to the Lord because He cares. He cares for us. you believe that this morning, that God cares for you? No amount of danger or discomfort or depression or discouragement should keep us uh, from our time of mourning fellowship with the Lord. In this psalm, David gives three valuable instructions uh, to encourage our fellowship with God, to direct our prayers to Him. Hey, listen, if I understand that God is the one and only the one that can help me, I'm going to pray and talk to Him. You know why we don't pray like we should? Because we don't believe God like we should. We don't have the faith in Him like we should. I often uh, feel and understand why Jesus turned to His disciples and said, O ye of little faith. Because that is us, isn't it? Because if we had more faith, we'd pray more. Faith uh, is displayed. uh, It's dependence upon God. When we pray, what we're saying is, God, I need you. I need you. Do you need the Lord this morning? Or is he just something you do on the weekends? Uh, Is he just uh, kind of a fling? Or is he your all in all? Is he everything to you? Or is he just someone you visit every once in a while? Hey, listen, uh, understand this morning that God wants to visit with you every single day. He wants to spend time with you. And I want you to notice in the first three verses as we look at the passage of Scripture that the psalmist, in directing his prayer to God, he was preparing to meet the Lord. We need to prepare to meet the Lord. Number one, we need to prepare to meet the Lord. If we had an invitation to enjoy a visit with Uh, uh, some monarch, some king, the president, uh, uh, perhaps uh, a queen uh, 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 in England, we we would prepare for it, wouldn't we? We would get ready for it. Some of you, you have uh, people coming to your home maybe uh, this afternoon after the service, and because of that, there's preparation that needs to take place. Right? You usually want to make everything look like it doesn't usually look. You know, uh, when you have company, you want to deceive them and think that the house is usually clean all the time. You know, uh, it, you know this is just, we just didn't do anything. I mean, it's just always like this. And uh, we have people over. What do we do? We prepare, don't we? You know, I wonder how many times you spent time with God, and I spent time with God, and we just weren't prepared. We didn't prepare our hearts. We didn't turn our hearts, our, our eyes, our, our directions to the Lord. Instead, we rushed through. You ever spend some rush time with God? It doesn't really have the same value, does it? You ever spend some rush time with other people? It doesn't have the same impact. It doesn't have the same value. So many times we rush through our time with God. We rush through our fellowship with God, and then we want to go do everything that we think we need to do. And Many believers rushed through their time as if no preparation were necessary. Uh, There was nothing that needed to take place in order to prepare uh, to meet with God. David was open with the Lord. He admitted inward pain. He said, "Uh, I've got meditation. I'm groaning in my own heart. He says uh, in in, in the first verse uh, of of chapter 5, look at it. He says, give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. He said, God, as I come to you, I'm coming to you with things that I've been thinking of, uh, things that I've been mulling over. Uh, uh, Wives, have you ever uh, waited for your husband to come home because you've been thinking about something all day that you needed to tell him? And you just couldn't wait to tell him. And then he came in and then he, you know, rushed around, didn't really listen to what you had to say, just kind of uh, went to the next thing. And you're like, I need to tell you, I need to tell you. I need, yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. I understand. Boy, that doesn't feel good. Hey, listen, God's not like that. Although, uh, humanly speaking, we often fail uh, in receiving, and I've done it so many times as a husband. How about you guys? Uh, uh, wives, sometimes we do the same thing. Our, our children or our husbands come to us with, with needs or desires, and, and we, we say, oh, I don't have time. I'm too busy. I'm too busy to hear. Too busy to hear. I, I'm often reminded as a father, boy, there's going to come a day where they won't come to me anymore because they won't need me anymore. But the truth is that we always will, always have, 
uh, always will need God, and we will always need to come to Him. Uh, meditation is a groaning, something uh, that's in his heart, a prayer. His prayer here is a cry for help. David was king of Israel, but notice what he says. He says, hearken unto the voice of my cry, my king. He said, although I am a king, he is my king. You know, it doesn't matter where we're at in life or what, uh, uh, what responsibilities we have or how high we've worked ourselves up in the ladder uh, or how important we may feel. Uh, he needs to be our king. He needs to be our Lord. He needs to be the one that we look to for help, that we know uh, that he hears us and he hears our cry. He saw the Lord alone as his king. David was a man with a broken heart, and he knew that the Lord understood his size and his groanings, oh, Romans eight twenty six tells us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Oh, sometimes we don't know what to say uh, when we pray. We don't know what to speak. Uh, we don't know how to deal uh, with what we're feeling. We don't know what to, what, how to respond to uh, the things that have happened to us. But God knows and he wants to hear and uh, he wants to listen to our cries. We may come to God's throne boldly. You know what that means? That means with freedom of speech. No other reason why we have freedom of speech with God, Jesus Christ, because He set us free. He's given us a freedom to speak to God. You know, uh, one of the saddest things in America is that we have the freedom of speech, but we don't use it for the right things. We have the freedom to communicate, but we don't use it to communicate the right things. So much of the communication that's going on in this world, the name of freedom of speech is evil communications. And we know that evil communications corrupt good manners. We understand uh, that as we uh, see our nation uh, communicating that which is evil, boy, uh, isn't it time for uh, Christians in America to stand up and communicate uh, righteousness again, to communicate truth again, to communicate the gospel, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ? Uh, Some Christians are so discouraged about the day that we live in because it's so dark. But the greater the darkness, boy, uh, how much more the light shines. There's people looking for truth. There's people looking for light. And and, uh, don't you think because it gets so dark out there that the light is enveloped by the darkness, light always dispels, pushes away, and shines through the darkness. And as Christians, we need to let our light so shine. Uh, And uh, here, uh, uh, David is, is keeping his appointment with God. Notice, in the morning. In the morning, my voice shout out here in the morning. You know, it's high time, Christians, that we make some appointments with God. We say, God, I'm in the morning. I'm going to spend time with you. In the morning is so much in the scriptures about spending time and giving God your morning. Uh, I dare say is if we would learn uh, this spiritual discipline that David did, that our days would go much differently if we sought God in the morning. You know, you you look at uh, sometimes uh, I'm drawn to other things in the morning. Sometimes I'm drawn to the news or I'm drawn to articles or I'm drawn to what's going on in this world. But uh, boy, when I'm drawn to the Word of God in a time of prayer, it just changes my whole outlook on life. It changes my whole outlook on my day. And when I spend time with my King and my God, boy, I just know that this day is going to be okay. I can rejoice. I can be glad in it because... It's the Lord's day. He's, he's, he's made it. David kept his appointment with God. I wonder, when's the last time you made an appointment with God? And when's the last time you kept it? You say, well, pastor, I'm in church. I'm, talk, I'm talking about you and God alone. You see, there's nothing that can replace corporate worship. There's nothing that can replace the coming together of God's people. Not only is it commanded, but it's necessary it's sad sometimes I spent hours uh, yesterday in visits with people and, and some people just away from God and just sat with them just away, for, away from God. And when I came away from that visit, that person just was so relieved to be able to talk and to share and to pray. And I was op- opening up the word of God and sharing that with them. And when I walked away, I said, oh God, I said, the, the reason why they're so empty, the reason why they're so uh, uh, needing to speak and to uh, uh, starve to fellowship is because they're not coming to your house uh, to be with your people. It's a joy. It's a joy to fellowship with other Christians. It's a joy to worship God. Nothing can replace that. But here's the truth. Nothing can replace your private time with God either. Corporate worship doesn't ever replace private worship. 
Uh, corporate reading of God's Word and studying of God's Word doesn't replace private time uh, with God. The truth is, is that this is something when we worship God together, it should literally come from our private lives. It should flow from our relationship with God. You didn't, I hope you didn't come today to learn that God was faithful. I hope that you already learned that this week as you spent time with God. And maybe you, you don't know the Lord as your Savior. Maybe this is new to you. Maybe you just wandered in today. But can I tell you, listen, we have a merciful, loving Savior uh, who gave himself for you because he loves you. And he's not high and lofty and untouchable. Uh, he wants to come down and, and spend time with you and be your Lord and your God. David was faithful in his preparation. He was faithful in his preparation, in his praying each morning. He was faithful to keep it. I mean, when we look in the Old Testament, I can think of few uh, that we would look to to emulate faithfulness in prayer like Daniel. Daniel, three times a day, would go before the Lord in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening. David said it at morning and at evening and at noon, will I pray? Will I pray? And cry aloud. A discipline, the the New Testament tells us to pray without ceasing, to be in a mode of prayer. Listen, prayer is not just when you bow your heads and close your eyes, friends. Prayer is not just when you speak the blessing over your food or when you say, now I lay me down to sleep. Prayer is you acknowledging the presence of God in your moment-by-moment life. You can pray anytime, anywhere, any place, in any posture, before your God, because he hears your prayers. Prayers are not things we read out of books. Prayers come from our hearts to the Lord. Uh, He hears us and he knows us. And get this, uh, he knows our thoughts and our intents. He knows what we need. He was faithful in his praying. He was orderly in his praying. He said, oh Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee. He was orderly in his praying. You know, so so much of praying is just random, isn't it? We need to be more direct when it comes to God in our praying. In other words, if I was prepared in my praying, that's why we encourage you to uh, get a prayer list and uh, write down some things. Uh, You ever have some things that you don't want to forget, and so you write them down, and you make a note, and you make sure that you don't forget. Hey, listen, when you have needs, uh, write them down. And say, when I get some time to spend alone with God, I'm going to bring these before the throne of grace and find help. Because God can help. And I'm going to believe in that. And I'm going to bring this ordered thought before the Lord. Come on. If you were going to speak publicly before a group of people, I think you would like to order your thoughts. Can I remind you you're speaking to the God of heaven? Order your thoughts. Don't offer God a half-hearted conversation. God, I'm not really ready to pray. I've not really thought about this conversation. I'm not really thinking about you that much, really. But God, I'm here and so help me. Listen, sometimes our praying is, is so mundane. You know, God's not impressed ever with our words. God doesn't need you to come with a bunch of words that you don't use in your day-to-day life so that you can try to impress him with, with all the things that you're going to say to him. God's not impressed with our vain repetitions. As a matter of fact, he tells us not to do this, do, pray the same things over and over and over again, unless it's a cry of your heart and a request that you're making, but in a sense that we're not just memorizing prayers and just kind of letting them bounce off the ceiling. There's times when we should just go before God and say, God, I need you. And uh, 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 he, was, uh, uh, he was orderly in his praying. He was systematic in his praying. Notice the direction of his prayer. He said, I will Look up. I will look up. I will lift up my eyes. I will look up to heaven. I will know uh, where uh, God is. Do you know that God is on the throne today? Hey, listen, if God's on the throne, that means everything's okay. If he's not on the throne, we're in trouble. But the Bible says he's seated on the throne. He's in control. He's the Lord. And listen, if God's not the Lord of your life, your life's going to be a mess. But if God's your Lord, if he's on the throne of your heart, boy, there's going to be some order to your life. Our God is not a God of confusion. Our God is not a God of chaos. Uh, it's, a, it's an affront to God that people would say that his creation just haphazardly appeared from some chaotic primordial soup uh, uh, that evolved over millions and millions of years. God's a God of order. He spoke and it was. 
Uh, God had design. God had purpose. Uh, Hey, listen, uh, you didn't happen. You didn't come by accident. Uh, You didn't just appear out of nothingness. There wasn't a big bang. Hey, listen, Jesus Christ uh, spoke uh, everything into existence with purpose uh, and for his purposes, for his glory. They are and were created. Listen, God created you. He loves you. He has purpose for you. David was faithful in his praying. He was orderly in his praying. He was systematic in his praying. He wasn't careless in his praying. He had everything arranged in an order. He said, I will look up. And listen, when you're looking up, you're waiting expectantly, aren't you? What was he doing? He was waiting for God to answer. He was expecting God too. When you pray, don't expect your prayers not to be answered. Expect them to be answered. I mean, think about that. How often we pray and say, well, I hope that happens. Well, I hope maybe it'll, it'll come to pass. You know why? Sometimes I think that we know that we're praying out of the will of God. We know that we're just consuming, praying, asking that we may consume things, as James says, on our own lust, that we could just get our own way, that we can kind of connive, that we can kind of uh, somehow manipulate God to do what we want. Can I remind you this morning, He's God, we're His servants. His will be done. What He wants is, Jesus prayed, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. That should be our prayer. God, I'm looking up, I'm waiting for your answer. I know that you will answer In our morning meetings with the Lord, we should come like priests bringing sacrifices to the altar and soldiers reporting to our captain for duty. We're coming before God. We're prepared to meet our God, if you would. You know, church services would be so much better if Christians came prepared. You say, what are you talking about? Come on, you know how it goes. Our schedule sometimes gets the best of us. Uh, it's Sunday morning, and we're rushing around hoping that maybe we'll make it there for the service. Depending on what time that is, we're not sure yet. Uh, we're rushing around. We're unprepared. We're unready. Uh, we're rushed. We come in, and then somehow, all of a sudden, we're arguing in the car. We can't find anything. Everything's crazy. We got cut off. We, we, uh, we, we told the guy he was number one on the way because we were so frustrated with him. And, you know, all this stuff happens. Then we walk in with, to God be the glory, great things. Hey, come on, are you with me? That couldn't be more plastic. That couldn't be more fake. And people see right through that. And so does God, by the way. And that's the most important thing because... Didn't we come to worship him? Doesn't he know our hearts? I mean, uh, we're here, right? So because we're here, so many people come unprepared to hear the word, unprepared to respond to God, unprepared to meet with God. We spent no time in prayer and preparation. No time, uh, no time really to prepare our hearts. Listen, if we spent as much time preparing the inside as we did the outside, we'd be much better spiritually. How much time did we spend in dress and clothing and makeup, guys? You know, all the stuff that you had to put on. I mean, uh, all the things that, come on, some of the guys, they got ready in about five minutes this morning. So they're like, I can get ready for that. You know, that's, a, that's about what it took me. Listen, how much time do we take in preparation for, to be socially acceptable to other people and on the outside. I'm not saying that's not important. I think the outside should reflect the heart. I think the outside should, should properly communicate to others uh, that we're prepared, that we're considerate, that uh, we are looking to each other not to be a stumbling block to one another, but to be a blessing to one another. We're not careless on the outside when we come to meet with God. We're not uh, just so uh, complacent, comfortable that it's, uh, oh, I'm coming to meet with God and to worship God, so it doesn't really matter uh, uh, what I I look like. No, it matters what we look like, but the truth is it matters because the inside matters. The inside matters. And so often the truth is, is as careless as people are with their outsides, they're careless with their insides. And some people are really concerned with the outside, but they're careless with the inside. The Pharisees were like whited sepulchers, Jesus said. They painted the outside religiously, but they ignored the fact that they were dead inside. The truth is, is if you're dead inside, it doesn't matter what you wear to church, it's not going to make you righteous. It's not going to make you holy and acceptable to God. The truth is, the only acceptance we have with God is because of Jesus Christ 
and uh, what he's done, and he's what makes us positionally acceptable to God. We prepare. Number two, we seek to please the Lord. We seek to please the Lord. In verse number four, look what he says, For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness. God has no pleasure in wickedness. Let's be, tr- let's be honest this morning. God is not neutral when it comes to sin. God is not unconcerned or that he says he doesn't really care about. Uh, the truth is, is most people don't really understand uh, why Jesus died the way he died because they don't view themselves the way the Bible says they should view themselves. Why would Jesus suffer if we were okay? Why would Jesus have died in the way that he died if we could get to him in some other way? Why would Jesus, as we just uh, last week, uh, as, as a nation almost, uh, look to the resurrection of Jesus Christ where half the people are questioning it? The truth is, is I'm encouraged that so many people were recognizing it, but I'm discouraged on how many people this week are just kind of mulling through like it doesn't exist today. The truth is we came today just like we came last week to celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and his power over death, hell, and the grave. And that same power is in us. And by the way, if you're a Christian, it'll be in you when you walk out the doors just as much as it was when you came in the doors. And uh, your power, the power of God, does not rest in the four walls of this place. He doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. He dwells in you. And it is God that worketh in you both to do and to will of his good pleasure. So the Bible says. I understand uh, that many would say today, oh, well, all the pleasure that God has is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I understand when it comes to my positional acceptance in the Lord that there's nothing that I can do to be pleasing to God. But as a Christian, I understand something has happened to me. I've been born again. And I entered into a family. And God is my father and I'm his child. Here's the truth. Nothing can change that relationship. It doesn't matter if I disgrace his name or sin against him. That relationship will always be and can never not be. God doesn't disown his children. If you've been born again, you're a child of God. It doesn't matter what you do. You can't be separated from the love of Christ. We have security in the Lord. But the truth is, when I sin against my father, When I disobey his commandments, it hurts my fellowship with him, doesn't it? It hurts you too. Doesn't the Bible tell us Christians that we can grieve the Holy Spirit? You know, the Holy Spirit is just as much God as Jesus Christ is God. You understand that when we grieve him, when we when we sin, when we when we don't listen to him, hey, listen, it's like a father when he when his children do wrong and the father comes lovingly, mercifully, caring for him. Can I remind us uh, today that we have a perfect father? I know that maybe on earth, maybe we didn't have perfection in in our earthly relationships with our fathers, but uh, where mother and father have forsaken you, the Lord will take you up. Uh, God is a perfect father, and He's never hurt you or harmed you or did wrong to you. God loves you, and here's the truth. God comes to us lovingly, doesn't he? Jesus shows us in Matthew 18 how God handles things, especially when we do wrong. When when I sin, you know what God does? The same thing he does with you. I have the Holy Spirit that lives inside of me. He says, you've done wrong. You know, if I receive that and I say, you're right, Father, I have. I've broken. I've, I've done wrong. I've sinned against you. Oh, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry that I've done that. I don't want to continue doing that. God, forgive me for that. Oh, boy, we know. We have forgiveness already with him, don't we? We don't come to him ex- hoping that he forgives us. We come to him because he's faithful and just to forgive us. And the reason why is because of Jesus Christ. In other words, he's never not going to forgive me because as far as he's concerned, I'm already forgiven. I'm not getting something new. I'm just understanding that forgiveness whole again. I'm admitting what I've done to God. I'm repenting. I'm agreeing with God. But have you ever had someone come to you 
say, you've done wrong, and ah, who cares? You ever see a child do that when their parents correct them? They kind of stiffen the neck, turn away. Oh, doesn't matter. I don't care what you think. You know, sometimes Christians in our pride, we're like that with God, aren't we? Well, I'm okay. It's not so bad. We begin to compare ourselves among ourselves. The Bible says it's not wise. We think, well, I'm not so as bad as this person or that person. You know what God wants us to do? Just respond to him and say, yes, Lord, you're right. God, I've grieved you. I've hurt you. I've, I've done wrong against you. Hey, listen, you can have a restoration in your relationship with God and fellowship with him. Can I remind you that the father is the same father from the prodigal son story. The father's on the porch waiting for you to come home. He's not on the porch with a switch or a rod waiting to beat you. He's on the porch waiting for you to come to yourself and to take a step towards home. You know what's great is when we take that step, the father leaps from the porch, doesn't he? He runs to us. And we're amazed every time, aren't we? How in the world is the God of heaven pursuing me? Why? Why would he run to me? Why would he come after me? Why, although I've sinned and and I've disgraced him and I don't deserve to be called his son and I don't deserve to be his servant, why would he leap from a porch to come restore me? Put a ring on my finger and clothes on my back and shoes on my feet. Why would he provide for me? I've hurt him and I've disgraced him and I've done wrong. Hey, listen, when we come to ourselves and we turn towards home, recognize you have a loving, merciful, heavenly father who wants to restore you. God's purpose for separation was always restoration. You know, ungodly separation just wants to separate for means of separation. But spiritual separation is always for the point of restoration. Sin separated us from God, and God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners separated from God, Christ died for us so we could be restored to God. We seek to please the Lord because he's a good father, God loves the world of lost sinners. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God didn't have to come to the world to condemn it. They were condemned already because they had not believed on the name of the only begotten Son. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If thou wilt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For whosoever, anybody, I don't care what you've done, what you've gone through, how you feel like You're unworthy. Hey, listen, if you feel unworthy, if you feel yourself to be undeserved, you're in a good place today. You're in the right position. Listen, nobody ever came to God who said they never sinned. We only come to God when we admit what we truly are, sinners. His invitation to salvation is sent to all. What vast dimensions of God's grace and love. The dimensions of God's love. What is the height and depth and breadth? The dimensions of the love of God. The glorious truth of God's love doesn't change the fact that God hates sin and punishes sinner. I, I want to tell you this morning, it doesn't matter how great the love of God is. It doesn't undo his wrath and judgment of sin. See, God will always, always forgive the sinner. It doesn't change the fact that he hates sin. All you have to do is look at a picture of Christ on the cross to understand how much God hates sin. God didn't spare his own son. He poured out his wrath on his only begotten because of how much he hates sin. Sin separates us from God. Hey, listen, you won't ever need a Savior if you don't see yourself as a sinner. And we're all sinners. 
But thanks be to God, it giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. If we want fellowship with God at His holy altar, we need to feel the same anguish, which is just anger plus love. As we see the evil in this fallen world, the Bible says, be angry and sin not. You know how you know you're angry and you sin not? It's when you feel anger and love simultaneously. It's amazing. It's an anguish feeling. It's an anger over sin, but a love for the individual. That's the kind of love that God has for sinners. In anguish over their sin and how it separates in hatred towards their sin and how it destroys, but in love for that which he created. And then lastly this morning, we need to seek to please the Lord, but we need to submit to the Lord. Submit to the Lord. Look at verse number seven. He says this, But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy, and in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. The truth is this morning is if you fear God, you don't need to fear anything else. If you fear God, you don't have to fear any other man. And David wrote, as for me, he contrasted himself with the wicked crowd that rebelled against the king. David had come and he prayed. He asked for three things from God as he submitted himself to the Lord. The first thing he asked God as his prayer's direction was toward God. He prayed for guidance. Look at verse number 8. He says, Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness. Because of mine enemies, make thy way straight before my face. How many of you this morning would say, I need some guidance from God? I need some direction today. Listen, we don't always know what to say. We don't always know how to act. We don't always know how to respond. We don't always know what to do. Listen, Some of us have been treated unfairly, and we don't know how we should respond. Some of us have a decision that's before us that's going to change the direction of perhaps our home and our family. We don't know what to do. Uh, Some of us, we have before us decisions. Say, listen, don't be afraid of the decision that you have to make. Fear God and look to Him and say, God, I'm not afraid of this. I fear you, and I need your guidance. I need your protection. The songwriter said, He leadeth me. Oh, blessed thought. Oh, words of heavenly wonder thought. Whate'er I do, whate'er I see. He said, he said, for by thy hand, he leadeth me. He leadeth me. He leadeth me. And listen, doesn't he lead us? The psalmist said in Psalm 23, perhaps many people's beloved and favorite psalm, he said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He said, he leadeth me. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Doesn't he lead us? Doesn't he guide us? Oh, God wants to give you direction this morning. Hey, listen, let me tell you this morning, if you're not sure, if you're on your way to heaven, you're not sure of a relationship with God, God wants to guide you to a relationship with him. And by the way, that's why he brought you to church this morning. That's why you're here. It's not a coincidence. If you're not sure if you die, you go to heaven. The first step you need to take is is take a step of faith and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. But notice... God doesn't leave us to our own devices after he saves us. God says, I'm going to lead you. I'm going to guide you. I'm going to protect you. David prayed for guidance. You know, for believers to enter into the presence of God to worship and pray, it costs Jesus his life. You know, when we don't pray, we take lightly that sacrifice. Think about it. Why do we have access to pray? Because Jesus Christ made a way. When we don't pray, we take lightly that sacrifice. We say, that sacrifice doesn't mean much to me. The reason why you and I can even talk to God is because of Jesus. It's why we pray in Jesus' name. Because it is the name that gives us access. It is the name that draws us into the presence of God. He prayed for guidance. Number two, he prayed for justice. He prayed for justice. Look at verse number nine. He says, for there's no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is very wickedness. Verse 10, he says, destroy thou them, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions. For they have rebelled against thee. You know, David 
didn't issue orders to his officers to go out and slaughter his enemies. Instead, he turned them over to God. Isn't it interesting that a king who had power over an army that could go out against his enemies... I mean, David led the nation of Israel to its greatest boundaries, to its greatest conquest. David, the warrior king, walked out on the battlefield many times. But don't we see in David a submission to God when it came to his enemies? Saul, the king of Israel that preceded David, when David was anointed to be king and Saul caught word of it, David, Saul sought to kill David. More than once, he took a javelin and tried to pin David to the wall with a javelin as he simply played the harp to soothe the evil spirit that was on him. David was hiding in a cave with some men. Saul came and took rest and comfort in the cave near to him. And he had opportunity to take Saul's life. Instead, he cut a piece of his garment and called across in the morning and said, See, I could have killed you. But I didn't. Because David understood that vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. David was a king, but he didn't even use his own authority to speak against his own enemies. David turned his enemies over to God. Hey, listen, don't we understand, Christian, that God does our fighting for us? It would be much better for us to allow God fight for us than us to march out and handle it ourselves. Come on, but there's all a little of that in us. We want to take care of it. We want to handle it. Oh, we want God to handle things when we finally realize, uh, I don't have the resources, I don't have the money, uh, I can't do that. God, handle it. But when we have the power to handle it, what do we do? Do we have that same cry? Are we so strong in the flesh that we think in those moments that we don't need God or his direction or his protection? So many times we speak when we should be silent. We act when we should not. We take action. Uh, We take vengeance. Uh, We say, oh, I'm justified in doing so. The truth is that nobody can fight for us like our God. Don't we understand this morning God protects us Hey, listen, what I understand as I live this Christian life, there's going to be a lot of people that align themselves against me. You know, the hardest part is when Christians do it. And they seek to hurt and they seek to harm. And you know, in my flesh, you know what happens? I start to get offended. And then I'm reminded, I'm supposed to be dead. They can't offend me if I'm dead to myself. And I recognize who my real enemy is. You know who our real enemy is? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You know what I understand is that God uses individuals, sometimes saved ones, sometimes lost ones, to attack me, to get me to focus on the flesh instead of run to God in the spirit. The best thing that we can do is when we're attacked, to get on our knees and say, God... I know you can take care of this, and I don't need to. You can handle this. I don't need to. Oh, but, and listen, sometimes even, oh, I'm supposed, you're supposed to handle that. You're supposed to do, listen, I understand there's some things that God just directly says, you need to do this, but what I do understand is God never, never, never directly tells me ever to sow vengeance on someone who's hurt me. Oh, it's easy to say back to someone something mean when they've done. It's easy to use. Hey, listen, as parents, you know, don't we even understand that when our children embarrass us, when they hurt us, even in our correction, are we not commanded not to strike at them in vengeance? What are we doing? We just lovingly correct, don't we? Say, I love you. I'm going to correct you. I'm not going to strike back at you. You're not my enemy. You're my friend. Hey, listen, there's nobody that's a child of God in this room that's your enemy. But sometimes we align ourselves apart from people instead of saying, God, please, you do what I can't. 
In Romans 3.13, Paul quoted, he said, their throats and open sepulchers, part of his proof that the whole world is guilty before God. And by the way, that includes all of us. Instead of being upset over God's treatment of David's enemies, we need to examine our own relationship with the Lord and say, hey, listen, I don't deserve for God to be good to me either. But God's been good to us, hasn't he? He prayed for guidance. He prayed for justice. And then lastly, this morning we're done. He prayed for God's blessing. He prayed for God's blessing. Look at verse number 11. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. For thou, Lord, wilt bless the righteous. With favor wilt thou compass him as with a shield. David didn't rejoice because some of God's people were evil and were judged by the Lord, but because Israel's God had been glorified. And sometimes we rejoice when other people get vengeance exacted on them. We're waiting, oh, I can't wait. I can't wait for them to get taken care of. We don't rejoice when other people are hurting. We don't even rejoice when those who are enemies are hurting. The outcome of our fellowship with God should be joy. You with me? There's too many people that call themselves Christians that have no joy. The outcome of true fellowship with God should be what? Joy. You with me this morning? Should be what? Good. Some of you just woke up. What what happened? The outcome of our fellowship with God should be joy. Joy. Who'd have thought that Christians are supposed to be happy? No, oh, I got to do this today. I got to do that. I got so much responsibility. Where's your joy? Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows but Jesus. Come on. Joy. You know, when we come together, people should not go, what a bunch of miserable people. People should come away from God's people and say, I've never been around a happier group, a more joyful group. Do they have struggles? Yeah. Do they have trials? Sure. Is there difficulties? Yeah, that's just life. But there's joy. There's joy because joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? It's something he gives us. And by the way, the joy of the Lord's our what? It's our strength. It's no wonder so many Christians are weak. They got no joy. Why don't they have joy? Because they're not really spending time with God. They may be doing a lot of stuff for God. Can I remind you and I this morning, God doesn't need us to do anything for him. He doesn't need me to do anything for him. I hear Christians all the time talk about what they do for God. If we as Christians would do more with God, we might have joy. I didn't come this morning to preach a message for God. I wanted to do it with God. Because with God, all things are possible. But with man, nothing is possible. We need God, don't we? We'd have more joy if we spent time with God. Instead of telling God how much we do for him, oh, God, I'm with you. Hey, I don't need God to be with me. I need to be with God. But he is with me. Aren't you glad he's with you? He never leaves us or forsakes us. The outcome of our fellowship with the Lord should be joy in his character, joy in his promises, joy in his gracious answers to prayer. Even though some of his own people had turned against him, David prayed that God would bless and protect them. Wow. We have a hard enough time praying for all our friends. Let alone David was praying that God would protect and bless the nation of Israel at a time when the nation of Israel had aligned themselves against him. They'd made themselves his enemies. David prayed. Sounds like Jesus on the cross, doesn't it? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Sounds like Stephen when he was stoned to death. Lay not this to their charge. They don't know what they're doing. God, forgive them. 
Look at verse number 11. It emphasizes faith and love. And verse 12 emphasizes hope. The shield in verse 12 is like that large rectangular shield like a door, not a small round shield. David began his devotion seeking help for himself. But here's the thing. He ended by seeking blessing for everyone, including his enemies. And that's the way our time with God should end. We spend time with God. Boy, we come before him. We say, God, I need you. Lord, I have lamentations. I have things that I need. God, lament, lament. I have needs. I'm hurting. God, I need you. I need you. Before long, you spend time with God, you'll find yourself praising him and praying for others. Because when we truly spend time with the King of kings and Lord of lords, we recognize that sometimes what we thought we needed, we didn't really need. What we really needed was him. And sometimes, uh, as a father, I get this and I'll be done. My kids don't ask me to go out to the store or to another place because they really need the things that they're saying they need. As a father, I recognize that many times what they're actually asking for is me. They don't want what's at the store. They don't want those things. They just want me. They want me to be there with them. They want me to spend time with them. They don't necessarily want, uh, as I sometimes I see my son play sports or do some things, he goes outside and, and boy, he's always looking. Dad, you looking? You watching? Dad, you listening? Be sure the father's always looking, watching, listening, and caring. As much as sometimes you think you need all that stuff you're asking for, you may get to the point to where you finally just recognize all you really needed was him. If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.